0: hello all and welcome to another episode of the endless spiral podcast you're all very welcome i am as always your host keith russell on this episode, I am joined by Neve Arbinski, who is the founder of Nutrition with Neve. And I'm sure look, you've seen her on Instagram. She gives some really good tips and advice on nutrition and well being and all that type of stuff. And uh, Neve has studied and worked directly in the nutrition and well being space for over 10 years. And she offers services like nutrition counseling, yoga classes, and workshops. Um, so, Neve. How are you? You're very welcome to come on the podcast. And I'm delighted that you've been able to give up your time to do this because, as was, we were having a chat beforehand, this is kind of very personal and very important uh, topic for me. So, you're very welcome. And thanks very much for coming on.
1: No problem. Thanks so much
0: for having me. So, I was thinking maybe if you could explain maybe what nutrition counseling is because maybe some people aren't too familiar with exactly what that topic is
1: yeah um okay so nutrition counseling is kind of a blend between a traditional nutrition consult and therapy so we use a lot of counseling techniques in nutrition counseling rather than it being more descriptive so if say you have an issue that might be related to let's say skin health or gut health You might not need counseling through that. You might just need specific advice to get you through that issue, right? So those uh, that kind of approach with nutrition is really important. But when it comes to things like relationship with food, your behaviors around food, your attitudes around food, this is where the counseling comes in, because there is a why underneath the what that we need to get to. And we get there through nutrition counseling. So it's not therapy, but it's not a traditional nutrition consult. It's kind of somewhere in the middle.
0: Right. Okay. Where have you been all my life? <laughs>
1: <God> <laughs>
0: sake. Yeah. It's, it's taken me 20 years to find you. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So it's it, like, I'm, I'm doing psychotherapy at the moment. Um, I'm traditionally a nutritionist, but I went back to do psychotherapy a year ago, um, because as I started migrating from traditional nutrition practice into the nutritional counseling realm, I started to reach out for different ways to improve my expertise when it came to counseling. And then when I started going to therapy myself, I started realizing this is where it needs to go. It's like the nutrition is the main focus, but it needs to be that therapeutic space. And it just naturally started to happen. So then I decided, I'm going to need a little bit more skills in the area of psychotherapy and blend them together and then when i started doing that results for people just started changing
0: wow wow so i had a look on your website and if i started listing all the qualifications you have i'd be here till next week they must have about 15 <laughs> on that website <laughs> but yeah.
1: did,
0: did you um do you feel uh kind of what you do is kind of a niche or is there a, like, do you find that there's loads of different people doing what you do, or do you find so many people come to you saying, well, I, I can't find anyone else who kind of specializes in what you do?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's, it's very niche. Um, <clears throat> I started moving into this arena about, God, about four years ago, I'd say I started moving more from traditional practice into this kind of counseling psychology realm. And there was... Nobody practicing from an intuitive eating approach when I started training back four years ago in Ireland. Um, So intuitive eating is the framework of what I work within, um, and that's an evidence based approach to nutrition that was developed in the states in the nineteen nineties by two dietitians.
0: Um,
1: And this is where this the term nutrition counseling was kind of bred from. Um, So yeah, it's still a very small um, niche area in Ireland.
0: Right, right. And what percentage wise would you find with men and women as clients? Most
1: of my clients are women.
0: Yeah, um,
1: I have had some men in the past, but. These kind of issues around food affect men, too, but I feel like men don't reach out because it's seen as a woman's issue. Mm. Yeah like if we look at eating disorder rates for men now internationally we actually don't have a lot of data um around it but one in seven I think it is men will develop some form of an eating disorder by the age of 40 and um, so this is not that men aren't struggling with these issues it's just that they tend to not reach out before it gets to the stage where their health starts deteriorating so like if we look at eating disorders on a spectrum okay so i don't actually work with active eating disorders i tend to work with people after they've come through maybe inpatient services or maybe before the point of it developing into an eating disorder so you've got intuitive eating on on one end and an intuitive eater the best way to describe it is a baby so we're all born intuitive eaters we all have this skill within us but we lose this over time as we pick up rules throughout our lives so maybe we pick up rules in the family and then we move into school. We pick up some more rules and then we hit puberty and our sexuality starts to develop and now we have all of these body ideals that are projected to us from every corner and um, this affects women more intensely than men, but it affects men too. Um, like all of these, you know, th- be as lean as possible and be as muscular as possible. All of these ideas that are projected to men are there too, and they do affect men as well. Um, and then that matures over a lifetime. You know, th- you might hear a certain rule or that a certain food, I don't know, helps you look a certain way, and mm. it, it just snowballs. Um, so that can then lead into disordered eating, which is kind of my area of expertise. And disordered eating could be, you know, counting the calorie in every single thing that passes your lips, or you yeah. know things like if you walk into a coffee shop and they don't have low fat milk, not buying a coffee, that could be considered a um, a, a, a disordered eating trait, um, or constantly thinking about food all the time. You know, it's it's not uncommon for mm. my clients to tell me that they think about food seventy to ninety percent of their day, and. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't need to be the case um, and that's kind of what I work with people to try and pull that number down and place more value on themselves as a person rather than their appearance
0: yeah so an app like my fitness pal is something that you wouldn't recommend obviously
1: no <laughs> definitely not and um, and the reason why is because it's it's a diet tool we use it to control and ironically the more control we place over our food the the bigger the backlash is so okay. um that might result in in binging or um it might result in um you know losing tons of weight but then falling off the wagon, as we say, um, putting all the weight back on and more, and then feeling panicky because of all of the messages that we're given in our society, all these fat phobic messages that being mm-hmm. fat is bad. Mm-hmm. And then the only way that we know how to fix that is to go back to my fitness pal, to go back to the control. And it yeah. just gets deeper and deeper and deeper with with every every experience that happens like
0: yeah, that yeah yeah and would you find that the the advice that you would give men different than women i know you say you don't you know most of your clients are women but would the advice be different
1: not really i mean my yeah. approach will be different because okay. you know men and women are different different beings. but yeah uh generally the advice no um like, I always say to my clients that this is a when they work with me, it's a very or it's really important to me at least to try and create a very safe, very non judgmental, very shame free space. So when somebody reaches out to me, there's a huge part of confidentiality that's involved because it can be a a shameful experience with food, but actually more so with men than it is women, women might you know, they might talk about it with their friends, but men probably won't ever yeah. discuss it. Yeah. Um. So I think that's the main thing with men is that they want to know that nobody's going to know that all they're right. they're working with me in any capacity. It's just between us. It's just in the therapeutic space, and um, so that they can work through it at their own pace. And I think that's the the really important thing because of the society that we all live in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, as we were we were chatting beforehand, I mean the whole reason why I'm doing this particular episode and I know it's men's health week and all which is kind of what how I ended up doing that piece for joe.ie and as as we were saying like I, I I wrote my own blog then and I did my own or I dedicated the last podcast to this particular episode so anyone who isn't familiar with my story I suppose I'll give a quick overview and don't worry we won't use this episode as like a therapy session for me I'm just going to give it I'm just going to give like a little overview just to kind of the, the reason why we're doing this particular topic so kind of in my early teens I started kind of going to the swimming pool to do you know like saying classes and, and stuff like that and as I kind of said in the, in the blog and, or the, and the podcast I know some people might think well it might not affect it's not really that You know, that's not a big thing, but it was for me and because of my particular body shape and I was because, you know, early teens, you're starting to develop and you're starting to notice, you know, women and girls and all that type of stuff. And Mm. that was just traumatizing for me. And you had to wear speedos. You couldn't wear shorts. You're in and out of the pool all the time. It was just absolutely demoralizing for me. I was absolutely miserable. And of course, like that kind of stemmed or not maybe stemmed, but that kind of developed into, into went from anxiety to depression. And then as I got older and even into my 20s, I stopped doing that. But the, the, the it was kind of imprinted into me then anyway. And that's where the body dysmorphia came from. And like I just couldn't get into shape. And it was just an obsession with me trying to get a certain body shape that I wanted because. I was so depressed with myself that nothing I could nothing I could do I, I was working for me. And my unhealthy relationship with food and exercise, which is what the blog is called, but that's exactly what it is. So I'm either, even to this day, I'm either all in or I'm all out. There's no middle ground with me. So at the moment, like right today, I'm two weeks into kind of a healthy diet for anyone listening i'm actually doing the finger thing for quotation marks if you can't see that um so i'm two weeks into that and i'm starting to work out again i've started doing yoga i've never done that before and i'm starting to kind of work out but i can still feel it there that even last Mm -hmm. night i sat down after doing a workout and i'm like i want something and it's just it's just controls you and the more you try and fight it the more you're trying to think right what can i have that's not going to be too bad and the days that I don't work out is worse. The days I do work out, I'm kind of thinking, well, I won't have anything because I don't want to ruin the the um the work I've done. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's just it's a spiral down. It's like as you said earlier on, there, there's always a relapse for me. So I'm either in great shape or I'm three-stone overweight. And I'm in, and then I'm my 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 head is gone, I'm mentally drained, I'm miserable. Yeah. Depression kicks in. Mm-hmm. And it's just something I've found that men just aren't talking about. As you said, mm-hmm. most of your clients are women. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of basically an overview. That wasn't really a short story. That's more the long version. But that is kind of an overview of my story, kind of why I want to do this particular topic. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what what would you say? I mean, for men, like how can we get men to come forward like as we we were speaking beforehand the stigma that men seem to have we're not just I mean as as uh, when men hear the words eating disorder I think they think I'm not speaking for everyone I think they think anorexia or maybe bulimia or something like that would would you agree with that
1: yeah absolutely and can I just say Keith that this is not just you yeah you are there's nothing wrong with you that you're experiencing this I see this every day of the week, multiple times a day, the same story that you just described there. And I'm sure there's people listening that resonate deeply with that, whether they are male or female. And there's a reason why I see client after client after client with the same story. Um, and that's as you described that that, that all or nothing, that pressure to, to look a certain way and to be a certain way. And when we try to control it, it results in this backlash because it's human psychology. Like think about uh, in the last few weeks, uh, what Dublin City's been like, okay, at the weekends. And now that the restaurants are starting to open, we've been restricted for six months, since Christmas, let's say. And once we get that little bit of freedom, we go all out. Okay, it's it's the all or nothing approach, same thing happening here. And until that the threat of future restriction is removed, and by that, I mean no more lockdowns, (laughs) that is going to continue. So this is where our previous restrictive history and the threat of future restrictions results in this backlash of being like, feck it, I'm going to have all of the chocolate. I can't have two squares. I have to have 10 things like that. Um, and until we remove all of this restriction that will continue to happen so we need to get off this this binge restrict cycle. Um, Back to your question about about men I think um, that reaching out before it gets to the stage of an eating disorder is kind of the best plan of action so that might be it might be listening to a podcast like this. It might be reading a blog post or reading a book. It doesn't have to mean moving straight into one-to-one nutrition counselling. Um, there's lots of other ways that you can start improving your relationship with food um, before going full welly. Um, if that feels a little bit too scary for people, and like I say, disordered eating. But like if we look at disordered eating rates we actually don't have much stats when it comes to men unfortunately because men don't reach out but with women um if you have four friends three out of two to three out of those four women will have some level of disordered eating now i'm guessing that the rates are probably not as high in men but they're probably you know close yep. enough to that yeah. number
0: mm-hmm.
1: um because we all get the same messages
0: yeah 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 i mean for me anyway it's like it's never ending do you know what i mean like it's just i can feel myself now even i'm two weeks into it and i know that i'll have a relapse and even saying that i know i'm gonna relapse it's nearly like i've nearly convinced myself already that i'm gonna Mm -hmm. fail you know and i know that's kind of everyone is different but I, I I just I have it written down in front of me here because I saw you on another video or another podcast that you were doing and you mentioned something about genetics where 70 to 80% of, mm. of people's weight, weight are genetics. Mm. Um, yeah, so that is, yeah. that's crazy.
1: Yeah, so like if 70% of your weight is determined by your genes and 80% of your height is determined by your genes. Mm. But... If I came out tomorrow and said my goal for this summer is to increase my height by an inch, <laughs> like I'd be laughed out of the place. But yet we do this with weight, and this is where all of the problems come from when we look at disordered eating rates and eating disorder rates, which have hugely increased in the last few years. Um because we're sold this story that we can change and morph our body size and our body shape to whatever size we want to be which is just not true and that we get on this constant wheel of striving to look a certain way and the only way that we know how to do that is to kill ourselves in the gym and make sure that we're eating a certain way but then because of human psychology that just doesn't last like if we look at dieting statistics right diet is anything that restricts what when or how much you eat which is a lot of things so it can be very obvious diets like you know juice fasts or keto or atkins you know things that we know are diets but it can also be subtle things like Mm. um you know maybe i won't have carbs at one meal during the day or maybe i will only have a certain amount of calories at breakfast and lunch and a certain amount of calories in the evening time or maybe i'll have a certain calorie limit from monday to friday and then allow myself an extra calorie limit at the at the weekend this is still a diet because it's still putting a restriction
0: yeah
1: on your food yeah um so about 95 percent of diets result in weight gain either partial weight gain of the weight that is lost Mm. or all of the weight coming back and more within four years so four to five years is usually the studies that we look at and we don't have one study like not one that shows us that through intentional weight loss we can keep the weight off for four years or more
0: wow christ not one not
1: one not one but yet, we're sold this story all the time of this prescription mm. of weight loss. We're given this prescription, but weight is not a behavior. It's like putting the horse before the car before the horse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we should be looking at health promoting behaviors and looking at body acceptance and accepting your here and now body, And um, which is, body image is a whole other piece of work that I do with my clients as well. Um, because it's really hard to reject the diet mentality, which is the first principle of intuitive eating, if we have this self-loathing for our here and now body. So if you can try to uh, allow this sense of respect for our here and now body, it can help us to move away from all of the counting, all of the rules and move towards a place of gentle and compassionate care towards food and towards our body.
0: Okay. So are you, are you saying that, I mean, it's just it's it's everything's in moderation. Is 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 that what you mean, or am I am I going off the right um, off topic there?
1: No, no, not at all. Um, yes. Although sometimes everything in moderation can be seen as a rule too.
0: So you're still res- <laughs> you still a restriction. Yeah, I get you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So everything in moderation is fine as long as that's flexible too. That statement also needs to be flexible. So. I try and help people move from rigidity and restriction to flexibility and fluidity. Right. So most of the time I have vegetables at every meal. Most of the time I get movement into my daily life. Most of the time I eat well. Things like this, like putting this most of the time phrase in front of things, helps us to be a little bit more flexible around food. Um. So I describe a Keith like, you know it, it's kind of complex work in itself because you're working through the mind but
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like if you move into a new home okay and one of the rooms needs to be completely renovated and there's 10 layers of wallpaper on the wall so each one of these layers of wallpaper um is similar to like every rule that you've picked up over your lifetime of mm-hmm. how you should be and what you should eat. And what we do through, um, nutrition counseling and through intuitive eating is to slowly peel back those layers one by one in a way that feels comfortable for that person that we're working with until we get that bare wall. Okay. Yeah. And then we fill in the cracks and we paint back over it. So, Going on just another diet or another plan is like not bothering to take down the layers of wallpaper and just putting a layer of paint on top of it. You know, it's eventually going to start peeling at the edges, it won't look that great. It's probably gonna last you, you know, maybe what, a year or two. Um, yeah. but it's not gonna solve the problem. Whereas you remove the wallpaper, you fill in the cracks and you've kind of fixed it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. I like that. I like that. Very good, um we we'll wrap this up fairly soon because i don't like the, the, I don't like the um the podcast to go on for too long because I kind of like to kind of keep them nice and short for people to kind of li- listen to them on the go um I'm just reading something like you have some phrases up on your website, and there's one I really liked I just have it written down here it's time you found well-being without the obsession mm-hmm. that's really, really good because it's the obsession like for me, anyway, it's the obsession that kills you it's yeah. just not it's not it's not um sustainable.
1: No, and it doesn't have to be that way yeah. I see it every day of the week and I see people like honestly believe they will never get rid of that voice in the head that obsession and um, every single person that I've worked with comes through to the other side it's just that mm. it, it requires a lot of trust in that process it really doesn't have to be that way I mean that percentage that I mentioned about 70 to 90% Mm. of your brain space being taken up, thinking about food,
0: Mm. you can
1: pull that right back down to, you know, somewhere around 30%, which is pretty average thinking about what am I going to have for dinner? Do I have food in the house? You know, just really basic thoughts that we need to have to survive. Um, but all of this obsession around food, it seems normal because we see it so much in our, in our culture, but it's, it doesn't have to be like that. And, um, we can live a really full life and a healthy life without having that Obsession.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then another thing that uh, just exactly ties into what you're saying is, something else I, I saw on your website was, not falling apart if you don't get to the gym, which is something that I I usually like. I get if if I couldn't get to the gym, I'd get in such a bad mood because, or even get to do any workout, you'd be just be so stressed about it because you kind of like, oh my god, it's another day. I just I, I can't let this day go. And because if I don't work out, I might feel that I'm going to start eating unhealthy because, do you know, when it's just it's, you're just kind of caught between a rock and a hard place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that all or nothing mentality that's coming in. in mm. And this is something I talk about all the time of trying to remove that all or nothing mentality and just apply this most of the time mentality.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Our, our energy states are not the same. You know, some days mm-hmm. we'll be super tired. We won't be able to get to the gym. That's okay. What else can I do for myself right now that would make me feel well? So it might be, it might be ten minutes of a yoga stretch, Keith. You know, looking up a YouTube channel and just mm. to 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 move your body, to focus on movement and joy in movement, rather than I have to get to the gym and I have to do an hour and I have to go balls mm. to the wall and da, da 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 da. It's all very militant, and we just can't keep up with that because life will throw us things that um,
0: yeah.
1: mean that. That just can't happen
0: for us every day exactly exactly and i mean like uh, and for, like just for me anyway I, i've got one of these apple watch things and like you, you've got the you know you're at it's like a fitbit you know you've got your tracking your calories and you're tracking your workouts so you're, you're doing your workout thinking well i didn't do that yesterday or i need to do this today and if i don't get to the gym today if i don't do a workout today you know you know all this and it's yeah. just it's i suppose it's just so much up in as you said it's up in your head i mean mm. and what i've been trying to do now especially with the yoga like i said here before we came on i've never done yoga in my life and i've Mm -hmm. been doing two weeks or a a week and a half of it now but i'm kind of trying to train myself to work out for my mental health not work Mm -hmm. out to lose weight i'm not working out to uh to have a certain body shape i'm well i'm not assuming but i'm I'm kind of hoping that'll be a byproduct of it Mm -hmm. but it's not my priority now i'm i'm just trying to work out from my headspace
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: i'm just trying that because as, as i said earlier for me it was always an obsession for the body dysmorphia that was a, a way of me trying to fix it i suppose is probably a simpler yeah. way of putting it
1: yeah i would en- encourage you keith to try and tap into how movement makes you feel so do you feel more energized do you, does your mind feel clearer do you sleep better you know how is your mood afterwards? So when those thoughts about I wonder how many calories I burnt today, and I wonder do I need to go harder today, or could I go harder tomorrow? Those thoughts will come; they've been there for years. But try to bring it back to how do I feel in my body during and after movement, and then let that guide you. Um, and think about you. Just I'm not going to ask you here in a podcast, but think about what would it be like for you to remove the Fitbit or to remove the Apple Watch and just explore that in your own mind?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually did a workout um, yesterday and I didn't wear the watch. Mm-hmm. Purposely, I didn't wear. And then I was, was stressed, not stressed, but I was a bit anxious afterwards because I was kind of like, I haven't tracked that workout. Have I burnt as many calories that I did the last time I did that workout? Do you know? And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm so
1: i would this this is and this remember i mentioned the control Mm. we feel like the more control we place over it then the more control we get but actually the opposite happens so just maybe remembering that when those anxious feelings come in that um putting more control makes the backlash greater as well because there will be an opposite reaction to everything
0: um Maybe we'll we'll wrap this up, guys, because I've had my little therapy session, so we can go now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um well, uh, as I always do, we're kind of towards the end of the podcast, I always kind of let the guest have the final word. So, um, I've always, I've already read a little kind of uh, bit off your website, but do you have any words of advice or little words of wisdom that you kind of want to share with people?
1: Um, I think based on what we were talking about is to try and tap into how food and movement makes you feel in your body so even if there is lots of control around food can you place a mindful awareness to how you feel after certain meals and how you feel after certain movements and allow the answers that you get from asking yourself that question to guide your future food and movement choices
0: brilliant before we go, do you want to uh, let everyone know how they can get in contact with you on your website and your Instagram if anyone has any questions for you?
1: Yeah, um, so it's super simple. You can find me at nutritionwithneve.com or at nutritionwithneve on Instagram.
0: Niamh, thanks very much for coming on the podcast today. That was really, really um helpful. And hopefully it's helped some people. And look, I'm, it is podcast for everyone, obviously. But listen, guys, if you... If you need to reach out, send myself a message, contact me, find somebody else. You're not alone. You're not on your own. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I have been silent for too long on this, and it's little, not a little. It's been massively helpful for me, uh, very therapeutic as well. to kind of being able to share my struggles with stuff. So listen, guys, please just reach out. You're not alone and um, we'll leave there, guys. Um, We will have another podcast coming up next week. But for now, I'll see you all again very soon. Bye for now.